Brick Moon Fiction presents Pale Passengers by Stephanie Jessup Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Jasmine's mom dropped her off and then sat in the car, watching to make sure she went inside. She dutifully waved goodbye and walked inside the dingy brown brick building. Knowing her mom could see into the lobby from the parking lot, she went through and ducked into the bathroom. She counted to one hundred slowly in her head before walking back into the lobby and back outside. No one stopped her. The receptionist even smiled and waved as she left. Jasmine waved back and crossed the parking lot into the wooded lot beside it. There was a barbed wire fence at the back of the lot that she had to prop up with a stick to duck underneath. One of the barbs caught her arm anyway, snagging the skin and drawing blood. Walking deeper into the woods, she applied pressure to the scratch with her bare palm until the bleeding stopped. It wasn't bad, but she would have to be careful that her mom didn't notice it when she picked her up. How would she explain scratching her arm in the middle of her counseling session? She saw the camouflage netting only because she was looking for it and knew where to look. It was hard to spot even then. She smiled, congratulating herself on her cleverness in hiding it. She squatted and pulled the netting off a plastic cooler half-buried in the dirt. A six-pack of the cheapest brand of light beer and a diet energy bar were packed in half-melted ice. She fished out a beer and the energy bar, replaced the lid, and sat on it. After a couple bites of the granola, she tossed the rest of it aside into the bushes and pulled out her cell phone, checking her messages with one hand, the already half-empty beer clutched in the other. Her mom was posting pictures of her little sister, Kenna, with tags about how well she was doing in soccer. She hadn't posted anything about Jasmine in a while, except to tag her in the family Christmas pictures last year. Ever since she'd switched schools and started having her social problems. Not that she wanted her mom posting a bunch of embarrassing mom things about her online for anyone to see. Who wanted that? No one else was posting anything interesting either just the usual movie memes, gifts, and garbage. She finished her beer and tossed the can into the brush with the energy bar. Not, she reflected, that any of the idiots at her new school ever had anything worth hearing to say anyway. Half of them, she was sure, were genuine idiots, and the other half pretended to be idiots, or at least bigger idiots, so they'd be accepted by the first half. It was sickening. The most socially stigmatizing thing you could have was a thought in your head. It wasn't just that people were idiots, it was that they took pride in it. That was what she hated the most about people. As a matter of fact, she hated a lot of things about people. She needed another beer. She got up and kicked the cooler open in frustration. Her foot snagged on something in the underbrush, and she toppled over backwards into sticks and dry, dirty leaves. Fuck. There would be no way to explain the dirt on her clothes to her mother. Not when she was supposed to be sitting in a nice, clean psychologist's office all afternoon. She continued to curse as she got back up. Feeling something snag her jeans, she reached down, expecting to brush away a branch, but her hand met something thin and slick. And moving. She jumped back, gasping. Holly pulled into the parking lot ten minutes early. She frowned, seeing her daughter Jasmine waiting outside already. She was leaning against a parking sign with her arms folded and looking vaguely at the sky. 
The fact that Jasmine wasn't on her phone seemed ominous. She was already braced for the inevitable post-counseling session fit. Jasmine was sure to attempt to avoid future sessions by making the emotional price for Holly as high as possible. She was ready for this. Still, for Jasmine to be too worked up to even be on her phone. You're early. Jasmine's voice was cheerful as she slid into the passenger seat. You're... how did it go? Jasmine shrugged. Okay, I guess. Holly eyed her suspiciously. What's on your clothes? Jasmine grimaced and looked her mother in the eye. I'm sorry, Mom. I sort of... I smashed her potted plant. The doctor? Jasmine nodded and looked down. I am sorry. She got me mad, but then she made me see she was there to help me. Holly put a hand on Jasmine's leg. It's okay, sweetie. Holly drove home with a cautious sense of optimism. Jasmine said nothing. Jasmine couldn't remember her locker combination. That was weird. She had never forgotten it before. At least she didn't think she had. Now that she thought about it, she couldn't remember if she had or not. What are you doing? She looked up to see that skinny girl, Penn, standing next to her. Her arms folded and her hair pulled straight back from her freckled face. How long had she been there? I can't remember my combination. Maybe if that was actually your locker, it would help? What? Ours are upstairs. Penn gestured at the stairwell behind her. She slung her shoulder bag off her back and rooted through it, pulling out a plastic pill bottle which she handed to Jasmine. To wake you up. You shouldn't drink on school nights. Jasmine took three pills from the bottle, but stuffed them into her jeans pocket. It was just beer, nothing serious. You should share at least, Penn grinned. Jasmine shoved the pill bottle back at her. Thanks, but don't get the wrong idea. We aren't buddies and we aren't going to be hanging out. What is your problem? She shook her head. People are my problem. Penn seemed about to say something when there was a shrill cry from behind her. Look! Look! Look at her mouth! There's something there! They both turned to see a tall Latina freshman pointing at Ms. Gabrich, the calculus teacher, and screaming, Look! Look! She has... Look in her mouth! Just look! The hallway was filled with a confusion of laughter and muttering. Ms. Gabrich, a short, plump woman with a round face, only put her hands on her hips in response. One boy made a jokey show of trying to look in her mouth. When she waved him away, he mimed being slapped, which triggered even more laughter from all around. The freshman was the only one not amused. Her voice was loud but trembled. Look! It's there! It... it... it looked! Penn turned back to Jasmine with a smirk and started to say something, but she never got the chance because that was the moment the news broke out. It was on everyone's phone at once. Most of the kids didn't fully understand the news. Some tried to explain it to the others. Some hooted with glee because it was exciting and had to mean school would be cancelled, or at least disrupted. No one was paying any attention to Ms. Gabrich. The feed on Jasmine's phone was the same link being posted by everyone she knew. Armed individuals occupy Capitol Building. Something scratched at her throat. 
Dinner was chicken and dumplings from the slow cooker, Jasmine's favorite. She thinks if she cooks stuff I like, I'll keep going to the doctor like she wants. Across from her, Kenna spooned more onto her plate, dripping the liquid all over the table. Jasmine cringed in disgust. Maybe Mom just loves us, Kenna said with her mouth full. People do things because they want things. You'll learn that sooner or later. Where is she? There won't be any left. Jasmine shrugged. In her office and she can have mine. I'm not hungry. Is she still watching the news? Jasmine nodded, pushing a piece of chicken across her plate with her fork. There are things going on. Kenna swallowed. What things? On the news, around the world, things are changing. It's not going to be like it was. Is that why they sent us home from school? They canceled school because they're scared. Because of the bad people trying to take over? Jasmine looked at her sister sharply and started to reply, but something scratched at her throat. Jasmine couldn't move. Something moved inside her chest. Something large. The pain was intense, but subsided as the thing settled itself lower toward her stomach. Then it was gone, and she could move again. This had been happening frequently over the past few nights. She had decided that it was her new meds causing it. What else could it be? Doctors and her mom didn't care if the meds killed her so long as they made her stop being a problem. She got up and went downstairs to watch a movie. There was no school the next day anyway, or any day until the government got things back under control. Why shouldn't she stay up? Her mom was in the living room watching TV. She didn't seem surprised to see Jasmine. Instead, she nodded and gestured for her daughter to join her on the couch. Couldn't sleep either, huh? Jasmine shrugged. I woke up. I thought all this would be over within a day, but it's just getting bigger. I'm trying, Mom. What? I didn't mean you, sweetie. We're going to work out our problems, okay? Jasmine nodded and shrugged. They sat and watched the news together without speaking for nearly half an hour. Mom, if these people really take over, would they... Would that be so bad, really? It can't be good. Why not? They're violent. They are? They have guns. They... People are saying strange things about them, too. But that's just people being scared. Fear makes people irrational. That's why these people who want to use fear to take over are so dangerous. That's why they need to be stopped. Jasmine's eyebrow twitched. I don't think people need fear to be crazy and stupid. They manage that just fine without it. Her voice began to rise and she spoke faster. People are the problem with the world. People are a disease. People are destroying their own world just to... Her mother looked at her closely. Did you take your meds today? Jasmine jumped up from the couch. God, yes, okay, I'm taking them. Get... She broke off and stared at the carpet, feeling slightly lightheaded. She suddenly felt very calm, but her chest felt tight, constricted somehow. I... I'm sorry, Mom. She sat back down. I don't know why I yelled. I feel better now. Jasmine stood looking at herself in the bathroom mirror, trying to figure herself out. Something was different. Her anger had never just gone away like that. 
Her mother thought it was her new medication, but the problem with that theory was that Jasmine hadn't been taking them. She'd been flushing them down the toilet. Why are you this way? She asked her reflection. She saw something and blinked. No, she couldn't have seen that. It was just in her head. It was just the meds. She opened her mouth and leaned toward the mirror. There was something white and moving at the back of her throat. It retracted down her throat. She felt it scrape at the back of her tongue as it disappeared, and she tried to scream. Something grabbed at her throat from the inside and wouldn't let her scream. She looked in the mirror again, practically climbing over the sink to see as closely as possible. There was nothing there. She was crazy. No, she wasn't. She might not understand her own temper, but she didn't see things that weren't there. It was there. It was real, and it had looked back at her. Fear seized her, and she turned to lean over the toilet and tried to make herself throw up. There was something there, and she had to get it out. Forcing herself to retch only resulted in dry heaves, though. Something in her chest clenched. Stop it! The words choked out of her against her will. She shook her head. She wanted to call for her mom, but the words wouldn't come. With a shaking hand, she reached past the sink for a pair of scissors. If she couldn't vomit the thing up, she would cut it out. She was in a hospital bed with a bandage on her tongue. Her head pounded. Her mom was sitting in a chair beside her, smiling patiently but grimly. A nurse came to inject her with something. She couldn't ask what it was, and really, she didn't care. She listened to her mom talk with the nurse. They thought she had tried to kill herself. She couldn't explain what really happened. After the nurse left, her mom stepped out into the hall. Jasmine could hear her trying to explain to her sister that Jasmine is very sick, and something about stress that she couldn't quite make out. It sounded like her mom was crying a little. Kenna said something she understood none of. Then her mom announced in her cheerful mom voice that while Jasmine was asleep, they could go get chicken nuggets, her standard method of diverting Kenna's attention from something. Their voices went away. She lay there and stared at the TV mounted on the wall. The news was on, but the volume was too low to hear. The scroll still said the same things about the Washington occupation, as the animated graphics now proclaimed it except that it wasn't just in Washington anymore. According to the scroll, government buildings in every state were now under the control of organized insurgents with an unclear agenda. Apparently it was happening in other countries too, but the news didn't seem too worried about that. She looked back at the ceiling. It was them. She knew that without being told. The things, whatever they were, the blinking things that were living inside herself and Miss Gabrich and the organized insurgents. It was a crazy thought, but she was sure it was right. She had to find a way to get rid of hers. But if she tried to tell anyone, they would think she was crazy and probably just dope her up and... She suddenly smiled, remembering where she was. She didn't need to convince anyone. She was in a hospital. They could x-ray and cat scan and whatever else they did, and they would see with their own eyes. They would see it, and it wouldn't matter if she was crazy or not. They would have to do something. The nurse came back in to check her blood pressure. 
She tried to say she wanted a chest X-ray, but the bandage on her tongue made the words unintelligible. She reached for a notepad and wrote the words out, while the nurse looked at her curiously. The nurse read the note and smiled before balling it up and walking out of the room. Jasmine had watched for signs of anything strange about her. The nurse hadn't spoken except to ask if she had eaten yet. Jasmine had looked but not seen anything odd in her mouth. But did that mean anything? Had the nurse ignored her request for an x-ray because she was one of them, or because she thought Jasmine was crazy? She decided the answer didn't matter. When no one had come back to her room for several more minutes, and the hallway outside sounded quiet enough, Jasmine pulled out her IV, grabbed her clothes from the nightstand, and fled the hospital. At first she just walked as fast as she could. When she was several blocks away with no sign of anyone following her, she stopped to rest. She didn't really have a plan except to get the thing out of her, whatever it was. The bandage on her tongue itched horribly. When she reached up to try to scratch around it, it came off in her hand. She expected a gush of blood to follow, but there was none. She touched her tongue tentatively with her fingers and was surprised to find that it didn't hurt a bit. Her hand shook. It was them. They were doing something to her. She wasn't going to let them. She had to do something, anything. Kenna sat in a fast food booth, carefully stacking her chicken nuggets while her mom talked on her cell phone. She didn't understand most of what was going on. She understood that Jasmine had done something bad and that her mother was scared about it. She ate the top nugget from the pile and listened, trying to understand. I don't care about that. I just want my girls to be safe. If the military is really going... Kenna kicked her feet. Her mom wasn't talking about what Jasmine did. She was talking about the other stuff. Kenna's interest waned. The things on the news made no sense to her, and she preferred not to think about them. She began reorganizing the nuggets. Outside the window, there was an explosion. And then another. She had to do something. She wasn't going to live with this. Them. She began walking down the sidewalk, as fast as she could short of breaking into a jog. Her mom would come looking for her as soon as they realized she was missing. She didn't want to be found. She needed to be away from people so she could figure out what to do. She couldn't stab the thing or pull it out by force. She had tried that and blacked out. Maybe another approach. She was already in one of the tracked housing areas of town. She looked around furtively for anyone watching her as she looked for an open garage. It didn't take long to find one. People in this neighborhood seemed to be in the habit of leaving their garages open. She searched around quickly, didn't find what she was looking for, and trotted back out to the street before anyone noticed her. She searched three garages this way before she found a bottle of antifreeze. The lid was hard to get off, especially since her hands didn't seem to want to cooperate. Once it was off, she drank it quickly, not giving the creature a chance to stop her. She hadn't expected it to taste so sweet. After several big gulps, the bottle fell from her hands as her chest exploded in pain. Something viciously clawed at her throat, and she found herself staggering back toward the street, choking, her insides on fire. Now she wanted someone to find her, 
She would be dead, but they would find the creature in her at least, and know she wasn't crazy. As she collapsed on the grass, there was an explosion a few blocks away. The ground shook with it. She knew it was them. She woke up in the back seat of a moving car. It was dark out and raining. She sat up awkwardly, feeling disoriented. Her mother was driving and Kenna sat in the front passenger seat. She's awake, Mom. Do you feel okay? Her mom called back to her. Where are we going? Somewhere safe. Mom says we can't go home. What? Hush, Kenna. It's bad in town right now, honey. We're going to stay with some people I know. Jasmine peered out into the darkness. They were driving past trees and fields she didn't recognize. Where are we going? These people have a place near here. Who are they? Good people, listen, both of you. A lot of scary things are going on right now, but we're going to be safe where we're going. Jasmine sat back. I don't remember getting in the car. We found you, honey. It's going to be okay. Something scratched at her throat. Still there. Still alive and still there. It was an effort to speak. Mom, there's something wrong with me. It's okay. It isn't. I have to do something about it. What's wrong with her, Mom? Does she have one of the things? Hush, Kenna. One of what things? Monsters. It was on the news, wasn't it, Mom? There are monsters with eyes and they can... Enough, Kenna. Sit back and be quiet. Mom? Yes? You believe it's real? The thing. It's why I needed the scissors. I was trying to hurt it or pull it out. Her mom kept her eyes on the road. I know. They're everywhere now. But we're going to be okay. I'm going to get you help, I promise. They rode with only the sound of one of her mom's CDs playing. Normally, Jasmine would have complained about her mom's old people's music. But she didn't care now. They knew. And they thought it was real, too. Which meant she wasn't crazy. Maybe things would be okay if her mom actually understood something for once. They pulled up in front of an old country house with faded and peeling white paint. The rain had stopped, but the roof was still dripping. The porch light came when Holly hit the car horn. Three men and two women came out. Holly only recognized her co-worker, Eddie. The others were unknown to her. They hopped down from the porch and surrounded the car. Eddie was strong enough, but the other two men looked scrawny to her. She hoped they could handle this. She had tried to warn them over the phone how difficult she could be. Jasmine recognized one of the men as someone who worked with her mom, although she couldn't remember his name. Her mom and Kenna got out of the car. She got out too, and two of the men grabbed her arms. She struggled and felt the thing in her chest twist. Her throat constricted. She was dragged toward the porch. Her mom was trying to tell her something, but the pain in her chest had become blinding and she couldn't focus on anything else around her. The thing inside her writhed. The man to her right said something she didn't understand. There was panic in her head, loud, piercing panic that was and wasn't her own. And there was a voice. Do you really want to be alone with them? She retched. Her chest and throat burned savagely as a white, writhing creature slithered out from her mouth. It seemed to her to take forever, but it must have happened fast. 
The men let go of her arms and backed away. Jasmine swayed on her feet. The creature landed with a plop on the porch and twisted its eye stalks to look at her. It was a slimy white mass of tentacles with no obvious mouth. Beneath it were many tiny shrimp-like legs. No one said anything. They just looked at the creature as it looked back up at them. It scurried down off the porch with surprising speed and headed toward the woods. No one tried to stop it, either because they were too afraid or simply too shocked. Do you really want to be alone with them? Jasmine ran after it. Stephanie Jessup won Best Original Horror Screenplay at the 2013 Shriekfest Horror Film Festival Screenplay Competition. She has also been a finalist in several other screenplay competitions across the country. She has published stories in various horror anthologies, including A Chimerical World, Tales of the Unseelie Court, and Ugly Babies, Volume 2. She grew up in the sticky, swampy parts of Texas, but can also be found online at stephaniejessup.com. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.